Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. We're in this series called Chainbreaker. Who, who here has been through all those messages so far? Last one was three weeks ago. Okay, mo, mo, most people have been here. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been here, if you missed any of those other messages, go back online. You can go through the app. You can go to YouTube. Uh, by the way, we're on podcast now. There's all kinds of places you can go back and pick up those messages. And the first message we get was a message called Open Doors. And it's, it's not just a figurative way of speaking, but the, the Bible actually talks about areas in our life uh, that we would call doors or gates is one of the words that the, that the Bible might use. We also talk about windows where people have opened up something in their lives that's allowed the enemy to come in and put them in an area of bondage. That's what open doors was about. The other thing we talked about was we talked about uh, in, in that particular message right there, we focused on demonic activity, and we answered the question, can Christians be under demonic oppression, or can they be possessed? That's one of the questions we answered, and I'll deal with it again here in just a second. The next message that I did was called Beware of the Chaldeans. Now, if you remember, one of the things that I told you is that the Chaldeans were a race of people that ceased to exist in 539 B.C., after 539 BC, they were gone. There were no more of them. One of the people I mentioned was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. But after 539, they gone. But Paul references them in Acts, and he tells the people at that time in Acts to beware lest what happened to the Chaldeans, or beware what happened to the people at that time, come upon you. Well, the question we're answered was, wait a minute, because the argument was some people will say, well, demons don't exist today. Well, if Paul is sitting there saying that the same thing that happened with the Chaldeans and the Chaldeans were a type of demonic presence, why is Paul warning us if we can't be oppressed by demons? Okay? And again, this whole series is not about celebrating demonic activity. We have to recognize Jesus talked about demons, I think it was 36 times in his ministry. It's an average of once a month. And he said they existed. So we're not trying to uh, glorify them, but we can't ignore them. We can't pretend that they don't exist because they do. If there's anything that the enemy loves, it's the person who's either over-enthralled with demons or the person who's a skeptic. He loves both camps. And the truth of the matter is we as believers have to understand that they exist and they actually can bring us into bondage. That's what that message was about. Then the last message prior to this, well, three weeks ago that I did, was a message called Permission Granted. And in that message, we were focusing on how Christians can give permission. We grant permission to demonic authority in our life. The other thing we talked about is how God gives demons permission to take his people into bondage as well until they cry out for help. Okay. And I showed you two places in scripture where a demon is standing right in front of the throne of God and God is saying, go be a lying spirit in the mouths of those prophets. That's a, that you can't get any more present than God than right in, excuse me, right in front of his throne. So that, that, that's, that's an overview. I normally wouldn't spend this much time doing that, but it's been a few weeks, so I want to make certain we get back in here and give you a fresh start. So uh, this will help you stay up. Now, this word demon-possessed, in the original Greek, the word is demoni zomai. Demoni zomai. Demoni being demon, zomai meaning possessed. Now, here's the thing. Here's where we get confused. We think in the English language, when we talk about possession, we think ownership, but that's not what the Greek means. In the Greek, this word demonizomai actually means to gain mastery over or to have power over, but not ownership. Remember, you and I have been, if you're saved, you've been purchased with a price. You've been purchased. Your ownership is in Christ Jesus alone. So a, de a demon cannot own you. But let me give you a couple of illustrations here. Let's say you go home from church today and you had left a window or a door open in your house. And as a result, 
when you get home, you find somebody in your house that shouldn't be there. And let's just say their intent is to steal. Hopefully it's not to kill or destroy you, okay? The person is in your house, right? He doesn't own it, but he's in it. Doesn't own it, but he's in it. I'll give you another example. Let's say you have somebody uh, that is even a Christian that drinks too much and they're intoxicated. Is the alcohol in him or in her? Yes. Let me ask you this. Does the alcohol own them? No, but it's in them. That's the same context that we're talking about when it comes to demonic activity. That cannot own a believer, but a a demon can influence you. And it can gain mastery over you if you're not careful. So three weeks ago, what I talked about in that message, what I highlighted is the area where most Christians get themselves in trouble. And we talked specifically about pride. Pride. That's the door that many, many Christians will open. The number one door, I believe, that allows demonic influence in their life. And we talked about how it actually winds up working in them. So today, I want to give you three more areas where believers open themselves up to demonic mastery or influence. Here's the first one, lingering in slavery. Point number one, lingering in slavery. And again, we've already talked about how leaving open doors open allows demonic activity in your life. So here we are in John chapter eight, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed, okay, those Jews who believed, these are his followers. It says they believed in him. If you abide in my word, remember we talked about this before, abiding in his word. In other words, you need to get the word of God in you. And we, we read in scripture how uh, Jesus said, you know, when, when the house is swept clean, it's left empty, and then the demon comes back and brings seven more. Well, how do you not leave the house empty once you've been cleaned? You have to fill your house with the word of God, with the spirit of God. So this is what he's saying. If you abide in my word, in other words, if you fill yourself up with the truth of who I am in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you, in other words, you disciples, shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Then they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free. Now, this has got to be one of the best illustrations in all the Bible of people being in bondage and absolutely being blind to it. Absolutely blind to it. Remember, Jesus said this to believers. If you abide in my word. Then they make one of the funniest and craziest statements that I think you'll ever read in scripture. And I'm gonna read this to you again. And I want you to think about just how funny this is. Verse 33, they answered him. Here's what they say. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? You know what I think Jesus was thinking? Have you ever read the Old Testament? They've been in bondage to everyone. They've been in bondage to the Chaldeans. They had been in bondage to the Babylonians. They had been in bondage to the Accretions. They had been in bondage to the Assyrians. They had been in bondage to the Egyptians. Remember that one? They made a movie about that one called the Ten Commandments, right? And, and by the way, well, listen, this is so amazing about the, the statement. When they said this, they were under bondage to Roman rule. You talk about blind to your bondage. And people will hear this message And they'll start to say the same thing. They'll say, well, Pastor Robert's talking about bondage, but we're believers, and we've never been in bondage. And the moment they say that, you know what they're struggling with? You know what they're in bondage to? Pride, lust, anger, unforgiveness, resentment, jealousness. They're in bondage to it. So what what does Jesus do? When they respond, he makes it abundantly clear. He says, okay, you're not getting this. I'm paraphrasing. You're not getting this. So let me help, let me explain to you. And he continues. Jesus answered them. Most assuredly, 
I say to you. In other words, listen, get over yourself. I'm telling you, whoever commits, by the way, we're gonna talk about that word commit here in just a second. Sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the father's house, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. By the way, this passage right here, this is not talking about salvation, but he is telling us as believers, we can choose to walk in sonship or slaveship. That's what he's telling them right here. You have a choice. So this word commit, I want you to think about this word commit. Think of the word committed. Committed. What he's really saying is, listen, who's ever committed to continuing in sin is in bondage. Uh, the Greek word for this word commit means to literally formulate a plan. To formulate a plan. Whoever formulates a plan to sin is in bondage. And you and I have all been there. Every one of us. So none of us should act pious about this. We've all gotten to different times in different places in our life where we planned to sin. And then we decided to stay in that sin we decided to accommodate that sin, and then we decided to keep that sin hidden. Don't raise your hands. I'll be the only, you haven't got to do it, I know, but I know everybody can. I did this. I told you before, when I, was, when I was younger, before I got saved, I was immoral. I was immoral. So when there was a young lady that I knew, I planned to make certain that we were in places and at times when I could do what I wanted so that nobody else would know. We've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, here's what I'm trying to tell you. That's bondage. That's bondage. Let me, let me read something to you here that's written to believers. This is in Romans 6.16. How do, I'm sorry, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Again, here it is. As believers, we have a choice. We could either be slaves to death or slaves to righteousness, which leads to life. The choice is ours. The, the devil made me do it thing, that dog don't hunt. Okay? Here, here it is in Jeremiah 7, 8. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name. In other words, they were doing this stuff, and guess what? They were headed to church on Sunday mornings. You're doing these things, but then you go to church on Sunday and say, hey, we're delivered to do all these abominations because I'm saved by grace. It's an abuse of grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. That's not how grace works. What Julie shared earlier is very, very true. And I mentioned this last week and she kind of hit it again. When we're forgiven of sin, you're not just forgiven of the guilt and the shame, the emotional side of it. He's actually forgiving you of the very act. The act is gone. And I give you the example of being in a courtroom. People found innocent or guilty. And we know that sometimes guilty people are found innocent, so they kind of even know when they're nowhere. I, I know that I did that, but I'm not gonna go to jail. And, and many times we know that they don't even feel shame. But they still committed the act. And Jesus has said, when I forgive you, the, not only the shame and the, the guilt are gone, the act is gone. God remembers it no more. Has this house, picked up at verse 11, has this house which is called by name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Now, we all know that Jesus drove thieves and robbers out of the, the temple, the church temple, but he also drives them out of this temple. He's in the business of setting people free. Jesus wants to get thieves out of your temple. And here in Jeremiah, here's what he's saying. Listen, you're walking in sin. You actually have this continued iniquity in your life. And when you come to church, you simply say, oh, we're free. Again, don't raise your hands. But tell me, tell me you don't know people like this and haven't been in church and seen that and heard it. And here's what many Christians do. They hear a knock at the front door 
they'll walk up to the front door and they'll look through that peephole. I'm talking spiritually here, but I'm I'm, going to give you a a physical example. They look through the peephole and they see three guys standing out there dressed in their black ninja outfits and they've got a gun, they've got a crowbar, they've got a knife and here's what Christians do. They look at the peephole, they unlock the door, they turn the knob, they crack it open and they turn right around and they walk away. What do you think is going to happen? And that's exactly what Christians do. They unlock the door to the enemy and walk right away to let him come in. And that's what the enemy does. And I'm telling you, he will come in. He's going to come in. And one of the ways this happens, pornography, porn. You open that door, and and we even know that physically now, uh, there's this thing called metacog. And we know from brain special, when, when, when you go into anything in your life, whether it's good or bad, you will actually develop your physical brain into bondage through porn. Now, many of us in this room would probably sit there and say, well, I never look at porn. Okay? How many of you here watching rated R movies that have nudity in it? Or, or something else with soft porn. I'm telling you, when you do, you've cracked open that door for the enemy to come in and put you in bondage to that area. Many Christians do this. Again, I'm telling you, he's gonna come in. Here's number two, lingering in illness. Lingering in illness. Illness may, but not always be, an indication of an open door in your life. So I'm gonna talk about this some more, but I wanna give you a warning right now. If I find out any of you went and told anybody, Pastor Robert says, if you have an illness, you have a demon. I did not say that. I said, you may. You just simply have to ask the question of the Lord, have I opened a door in my life, okay? It just may. Luke 13, 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. Okay, right there, it tells us there's a spirit of infirmity. We just read it. By the way, this is red letters. Everything I've been reading to you so far is red letters. So if you're taking issue with it, feel free to take issue with Jesus because he said it, not me. I'm just explaining it to you. A spirit of infirmity, 18 years and was bent over and could no way raise herself up. So I mean, she, she's, in, she's in bad shape. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. I want you to notice that in scripture, many, many times people are calling out to Jesus. But in this particular case, she doesn't call out to him. He calls out to her. Why did, why, and this is so important for you to understand. I want you to understand that as a follower of Jesus, he does search you out and he'll call out for you. You might not realize what your issue is, but he does it. And he'll call you out and say, hey, I want to heal that. I want to set you free from that. So it's important that we don't, we don't miss that. Verse 13, and he laid his hands on her. By the way, notice he didn't push her. He didn't smack her. Be healed. He didn't do any of that. He just laid hands on her and prayed for her. He didn't, he, you never see Jesus sensationalizing anything he does. The work of his hand, the work of his word is all it takes. Okay? We're not going to sensationalize. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, in other words, the pastor of the little church where she was going, answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and he said to the crowd, now again, this was made reference earlier and we have it above my head right here. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to know something. Pharisees are the same yesterday, today, and forever as well. And here's what they do. They quote the Bible and then they give their interpretation of it. That's what they do. They sort of say, well, the Bible says is, and then they give you some some verse. This is the difference. I was talking to Julie about this this morning. Unfortunately, many, many pastors read the word and they can quote the word. And they've been to Bible college and they know big words like, hermeneutics and exegesis and homiletics. They even studied it, what those words mean. I'm not gonna go into them right now because I'm already running behind time here. But they read a word 
and, and, and sometimes what they do is they create their sermons on Friday and Saturday night because they've been busy administrating the church all week long and they haven't gotten their nose into the word of God. So they, they read the word of God, but they are not theologians. They do not study. They are not scholars of the word. That's a problem. That's a problem. And that's what this clown had been doing. He had memorized some scripture, and I'm going to show it to you here, but he didn't know the application for it. Because when you're studying scripture, you can't take a verse and make a theology out of it. If you do, you're going to have all kinds of wild theology out there. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You have to read all of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation and have an understanding of the topic in there. That's what we're trying to do here at this church. Not just quote scripture. Because we can abuse the daylights out of the word of God and ultimately each other by doing that. Okay? So verse 14 continue. There are, this is what he says. There are six days on which men ought to work. Okay, now that's literally the scripture. And that's the fourth commandment. So he, he quotes this. Now here comes his interpretation of that. Therefore, come and be healed on them, not on the Sabbath day. This woman has been in bondage for 18 years and he's saying, come back another day. What other day were you doing church? Please tell me you're hearing this. And that's one of the wonderful things about, about the body of Christ is we start to understand what scripture tells us. Many think, people think that Christendom or, or following God is all about keeping rules. It is not. It, it, actually, if you study scripture, you're gonna find out God talks a lot more about the freedom we have in relationship with him than the rules. In matter of fact, we have a, do we walk in righteousness? Do we desire to walk in righteousness? Absolutely. But that's not our focus. Our focus is the relationship and the freedom that we get. And when you do that, righteousness comes out of it. Amen. But the church has been really good at pointing at people and saying, don't you? And people always feel like you're looking at them like this. That's one of the reasons why I want people to reimagine church. Because that's not the God I serve. That's not the God I serve. So, verse 15. Okay, so this is Jesus' campaign speech here. This is where he's trying to be nice to everybody. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite. I'm sure that immediately made the guy go, oh yeah, follow you. Yeah. Hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years. He, he actually says, think about this. You just said this, dummy. Think about this. This daughter of God has been in bondage for 18 years. Shouldn't she be loosed even if it's on the Sabbath? See how religious we can get at times? And we completely miss the point. And by the way, many people, because of it, completely miss the freedom they can get because we're too busy being religious. So in this, this passage here, you have to remember when he's talking about Jews, he's talking about literal sons and daughters. But actually believers are spiritual sons and daughters. You have to remember in John chapter eight, he's talking about sons and daughters being those who do his will. So again, you've heard me say this before, I wanna clarify it again. We are not all God's children. We are all God's creation. But according to John chapter eight, and there's other verses, only those who hear the truth, they believe it and they obey it. Only they are the ones that have the right to be called sons and daughters. He's telling that right here in the same chapter. And he says, because you don't believe, you're sons of the devil. He's saying this to this religious leader. Because you don't believe and you don't do my will. So let me show you a couple more scriptures that tell us when we accept Christ, at that point we're sons and daughters. By the way, you remember the last series that you did on Who Am I? We talked all about this, didn't we? About our identity as sons and daughters. So you should be well versed in that. So here's, here's in Galatians. Therefore, know that only those, by the way, some translations say these, but this is an emphatic, this term only those. And I had it underlined in my notes because I wanted to stress it. I think it's italicized up here. It literally means these and only these. That's what it means in the Greek. These, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna paraphrase it. Therefore, know that these and only these 
who are of faith are sons of Abraham. You see, we're, you and I are considered sons of Abraham, even though we're not Jewish by our heritage, because of faith. Because remember, faith was counted as righteousness to Abraham because you walked in obedience. And Jesus says, because of that same faith in me, I'm gonna count righteousness to you as well. So I'm just wrapping this up for you. Galatians 3.29, the NIV translation says this, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Again, if, if, so it's, this is all him. All right, this is Jesus. Now, uh, Paul writes this in here, but he's, quoting back from Jesus, okay? He's just saying it a different way. So here Jesus is saying this, this, this daughter of Abraham, she's been in bonding in bondage for 18 years and she just needs to be set free. And I think in the same way, he's probably saying to many of us here and, and, and people that aren't here that need to be here, you're in bondage. You've been in bondage for a long time. You need to be set free. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. Again, let me just say this just popped in my mind, so I, th I think somebody needs to hear this. I'm not saying every time somebody is sick that it's a demon. All I'm saying is, if you've been lingering, you need to ask the question of the Lord, of the Lord. And, and, and you can ask it through the, the relationship of another person. Okay, and I'm gonna give you an example here in just a second, but the Bible's telling us sometimes you know, sickness is actually due to the spirit of an infirmity, and we just need to understand that the good news is it's something spiritual, which means it can be taken care of. See, we, we know that sometimes some of us get sick and, and people have some serious issues, and there's, there's nothing we can do about that except for trust that the Lord's gonna be miraculous healing or he's gonna do something through the medical sciences. But spiritual healing, oh, that's much easier to take care of much easier and much more instantaneous, okay? So let me show you something in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 58 through 61. If you do not carefully observe all the words of the law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plague. Okay, who's bringing it? Okay, great and prolonged plagues and serious prolonged sickness. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid and they shall cling to you. Now, when I was reading my notes this morning, I saw that word cling. And here's what I pictured. And many of you probably remember as little kids, maybe sitting in the back seat of your mom and dad's car having a lollipop or an ice cream that started to run down your hand. And when you got done, you're like, ah! I hated that sticky feeling as a kid. I love the ice cream, but I can remember that. Just sort of like my fingers going like this and they're sticking together. I'm like, nah, I hated this. Okay. Or, or maybe as an adult, which still happens to me, I hope this isn't part of an issue with my, my ability to eat. But, um, you know, have you ever had pancakes? You pour syrup and somehow, I don't know how it does that. It's like, how did the syrup get on the top of the fork handle? <laughs> and you're sitting here going like this, and you're like, ah! Okay, okay. so think about this, okay? He, he's saying, it's, they shall cling to you in the same way. And, and, and spiritually, we feel the same way. If it's, things have been clinging to us, and spiritually, sometimes we feel like, how do we get rid of this? There's an answer for you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. Again, I told you in that first message, we see this all through scripture where the Lord is allowing his people to go into bondage from the enemy until they cry out in humility and say, God, help me. And then what he does, he comes rushing right in. It's all through scripture. It's all through scripture. So here's some New Testament scriptures relating to sickness and the oppression of the enemy. So again, I almost think, I can hear almost somebody sitting and say, well, that's Old Testament. Don't, don't go there, because Jesus said it. Not one iota, not one tittle. And by the way, you know what an iota and a tittle is? You know what the small i, that dot? That's called an iota. Okay. Uh, a tittle is the same thing. It'd be like, we, we, in most languages, it might be what we call the comma. And he says, not one iota, not one tittle of the Old Testament, which to the people he was talking to, they knew as Genesis through Malachi. It was the Old Testament. Not one of it is gonna pass away. 
But for those who still aren't convinced, let me show this to you in the New Testament. Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hand. I'm, jump, I'm sorry, I should have told you, I just jumped to Acts 19, 11 through 12. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the, ear, and the evil spirits went out of them. Again, I'm telling you, you have, to, you have to ask this question, Lord, what I'm dealing with, is it spiritual? It's not always just physical. And Jesus wants to set us free. Sometimes the door is open and we didn't know it. But Jesus is going to show it to us who will allow him. So let me give you an example. Um, I, I've used this before. Um, if, if any of you know who Robert Morris is, he pastors one of the largest churches in America, Gateway Church. And Easter, four years ago, the day after Easter, he had this medical emergency where basically his, just, he started bleeding out inside. Now, in the end, the doctors said there was no, no actually scientific reason why he did that. He should have been dead. I think he lost four and a half quarts of blood. Um, and he was in the hospital, intensive care, sedated and everything for, for a number of weeks. A lot, many, many people were praying for him. And there was also no medical reason on why he all of a sudden just quit. It just came and it went. Steve Doolin is another man that's in that church, and Steve is one of the, the, the uh, leaders in that church, one of the elders of the church. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because at one point, they're having these conversations with the doctors. I mean, he didn't have an accident. They don't know why it happened. The doctors even said, there's no reason why you should have survived this. There's no reason why you should have been healed from it. It, just like, it was like, where did this come from? So Steve went in and sat down with him. Now, Robert Morris is an extremely anointed man of God, okay? And this is a man, you t his life is just, it's like, if, if, I, if I was to sit there and say to anybody who in this, in, this, in this kingdom of God that I want to mimic, it would be him, okay? Sort of like a, an apostle Paul of the day, sort of like another one of these Jack Hayford kind of people. But Steve Doolin came in at one point when Robert was conscious enough to start talking and have, and have some, um, some serious conversation. He pulled up a chair and Steve just simply asked, he said, Robert, I got to ask you, is there any sin in your life that you need to be repenting from? And as, as, as friends, as people in the body of Christ, that's what our relationship is for. It's not to beat you up and sit there and say, tell me your sin so I can go post it on Facebook. Okay? Or so that I can make certain that I get voted on the church council instead of you because people are gonna know what you're really like. It's none of that game. None of that, and of course, you, you all know me, well, that would never be tolerated. We don't do that here. But Steve, as a friend, was asking, listen, have you considered? Have, have you thought about this? Because we, no, nobody can explain this. It can't be explained scientifically, medically. Is there, is there an area? So Robert had to process, and Robert said it. he was able to come through, and, and, and really, as he, he went through all areas of his life, and said, Lord, I just, uh, I'm not coming up with anything. And, and he didn't, the Lord healed him. That's okay. But he still had to ask the question. And I told you my, my own thing last, um, last uh, fall where I felt we were really having some struggles here at the church about some stuff. And I was like, I went through that whole process. Lord, have, have I done something that I'm, I shouldn't be doing? And the other question that I asked was, Lord, is there something you've asked me to do that I haven't been obedient to? And you're not gonna give me a fresh word until I start being obedient to that. So I went through the whole thing. And then, of course, I was down at Gateway Church at a pastor's conference where I picked out a 4,500 people from a woman on the platform who I'd never met in my life and I was asked, Lord, what have I missed? For four months, I've been asking for what I've missed. And she stood up. She called me out of 4,500 people. I was on the back. Of course, guess how she described me? Will the tall guy in the back stand up? So I kind of knew who, I was like, I was like, of course, Chris is next to me. I was like, it's going to be me. Okay. And she said, the Lord just wants you to know, you haven't missed it. Use my word. But I had to ask the question. See, when you ask, the Lord is faithful. And you know what? If I had missed it, I'm sure he would have said something different. But that's part of his goodness. All right, so here's the third point, lingering in network. Lingering network. Now, when I talk about network, I want you to think of um, like a net, like a fish net, or think of a spider's web. So kind of lingering in this. Mark 7, 24. 
And I'm really hoping this point, that I'm ending with this point for a reason because I really hope many of you in the room get this because you need to hear this. From there, he arose, this is Jesus, and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. I bet he couldn't. For a woman whose young daughter, I want you to notice as a young daughter, because we're going to discuss how this woman's behavior had an effect on her child. Had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek and Syrophoenician by birth. Now, again, this is very, very important why the Bible would tell us this. Many people, including pastors, will read this and go, okay, she, she, was, just, she was Greek, she wasn't a, a Jew, and they move right past it. The Bible is telling us she's Syrophoenician for a reason. I'm gonna share what that reason for is because it's very important to the understanding of the context of this passage. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now this, this sounds, when I read it, it sounds like, wow, that was kind of like cruel. But he's really not being cruel, and I'll explain it to you in just a minute what, what he's talking about. And she didn't receive it as being cruel either. She knew what he was talking about. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, in other words, because of the humility in your life, because of that, you go your way. The demon has gone from your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon had gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. So again, she's Greek, she's not, she's not Jewish. But it says she's the Syrophoenician mixture. Now, I don't want you to think of racial mixture the way we think of it. Okay? Uh, that's not what he was talking about. What he, was, what he was telling the Jewish people not to mix with the other nations, it wasn't because of race. The reason why is because most of the time when they were mixing and marrying, they were doing it for business purposes. That's why they were intermarrying. And he says, as soon as you do that, you're going to bring in all of their pagan, all their pagan gods and their pagan worship, and you're going to wind up going back into bondage. That's why he's telling the Jewish people not to mix with other nations. Because the Jews, even at the time that this is being written, this is happening, they were the only monotheistic religion. Everybody else was polytheistic. In other words, they had many gods. And actually, the Romans admired the Jews for this. So he's not talking about that. Just, he's talking about the difference between believers and non-believers. Let me put it that way. Okay? So he's talking about this Syrophoenician woman. Okay, Tyre used to be in Phoenicia. And most theologians will tell you that Phoenicia was the seat of paganism that actually entered into Israel. That's where it came from. And as a reminder of somebody who, by the way, who was born in Phoenicia, have you ever heard of the name Jezebel? Jezebel? Okay, Jezebel married Ahab, and as a result, she actually brought the occult and witchcraft into the body of Israel more than anybody else in all their history because of this, this intermarriage here. Phoenicia was an occult city. It was an occult city. And this woman was Syrian. And throughout the Bible, what is Syria or the Syrians associated with? Pride. Pride. Pride in witchcraft are the occult. This woman had opened up a demonic spirit into her daughter's life because she was involved in the occult. And unless you study the scripture, unless you study the passage, and historical factors, you're not gonna pick that up. Here's what concerns me. Many believers, many believers are prideful because they think they can dabble in the occult and it won't affect them. It won't affect them. And that's Syrophoenician. That's exactly what she was doing. There are many small things that they think, well, that's not going to affect me. Well, apparently Jesus thinks it does. Usually what you'll hear from a lot of people also is, well, I'm not hurting anybody else. Please hear this. While Jesus is concerned about our behavior and how it affects other people, you've got to know, he think, he's thinking of you. 
but it's hurting you. And that's what he doesn't want to have happen. It's separating you from him. But there's, there's listen, please, please listen, let's listen very carefully. There are many demonic movies that believers watch. And remember what we learned about Satan being the power and the principality of the air? I'm telling you, when you're watching some things on your television, you are entertaining demons completely unaware. You think it's entertainment. It's party for them. And they're sitting here thinking, I've got an open door into your life. It's, he's very serious about this. We watch demonic cartoons that we allow our children to watch. That's Syrophoenician. You're opening your family to demonic bondage in their life. Now, by the way, when we think about demonic, don't be thinking about poltergeist where somebody's head is spinning around 20 times and their projectile vomit. That's Hollywood, okay? That's, that's just silliness. That's, that's Hollywood's way. That, that demonic bondage can manifest in a lot of ways, but demons usually don't manifest that way because they don't want you to know it's a demon. They want you to think, Oh, it's nothing. It's just, you know, it's life. It's, it's because God isn't good. He, didn't, he doesn't have a plan for you. So this woman had this daughter, and this background was affecting her daughter. Oh, nothing. The demonic video games. We, we have those. We, we allow people to get into. Uh, witchcraft, sorcery, seance, fortune-telling, tarot cards, that's all demonic. And God says, stay away from it. Don't admire it. Don't enjoy it because it's going to destroy you. Uh, we talk about uh, things like Ouija boards. I was thinking about this this morning because of something I heard in the news this last week. Ouija boards, Dungeons and Dragons. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, yeah, it is. Because you're entertaining demons. You're getting involved in the demonic world. So about a week and a half ago, when I knew this message was coming up, I was reading this article. I didn't see anywhere else. Fox News had it on their, their app on one of the main stories. But in Chile, a group of 26 girls, uh, I, think, I think they indicated they were middle school, got a hold of a Ouija board and started playing with it. All 26 of them, this is what the article about, had to be rushed to the hospital because all of a sudden they got sick. They started dealing with high anxiety. They couldn't function. All 26 of them. And the article was saying how the doctors are rushing quickly to try to figure out what happened. I was like, I can tell you. <laughs> and you haven't got to stick a needle in anybody. You haven't got to do an MRI. You haven't got to do blood work. Let me tell you what it is. But we do this and we think it's, well, it's, just, it's just games. Not according to the Lord. That's the reason why he says stay away from it. You don't play with this. You don't play with this. God says, you worship me and you worship me only. Don't in any way ever open yourself up to the occult. You can't do that. If you, by the way, if you want to know what your future is, now you heard me this, say this before, get your face in your Bible. That's what's going to tell you what your future is. Get your, get, that's the word of God. Get in there. He'll tell you all about it. And that's what happened to this woman. She comes out of this occult background and her daughter winds up getting affected. It's amazing how the things that we have games, movies, and everything, actually teach our children to do things like conjure up spells. So here, here let me read this to you in Deuteronomy 18.9. When you come into the land which the Lord, you, I'm sorry, Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Shall there, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. In other words, allows his children to dabble with witchcraft. That's what he's saying here or one who practices witchcraft, or soothsayer, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritualist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things, listen to this, are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. So one more thing you need to understand about this passage. If you don't understand biblical language, you're not going to understand something that Jesus says here. And I made reference to excuse me, earlier, Mark 7, 27. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Again, remember, she's, she's Greek and Jesus is Jewish. And, and Jesus was sent to the Jews and Paul was sent to the Jew first and then to the Greek. So Jesus makes this statement about his children being filled first. 
And remember, who are his children? Those who are living by faith. So he's talking about believers. He's talking about believers. And he says it's not right to take what belongs to the children and give it to the dogs. Okay, here's the thing. He's not being cruel. All he's simply saying is, it's not, does it belong to people who don't believe in the Messiah? And she understood that. And she understood that. Revelation 22, 14, blessed are those who do his commands that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the gates into the city. Verse 15, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Okay, so outside of the gates of heaven, there are either sorcerers, murderers, chihuahuas, and poodles, or dogs represent something. So what does it represent? Again, they represent lost people. So let me show you in Philippians 3, 2. Be aware of dogs, beware of evildoers. And he goes on to say that those that say they're believers but aren't really believers, those are the dogs. Those are the dogs. They're saying one thing with their mouth, but their heart and their head is totally somewhere else. So Paul's either talking about something else or he went on a missionary journey and while he was out there, he got bit by a dog. And he says, beware of dogs. <laughs> Maybe that's where he got the sign, right? <laughs> beware of dogs? Okay. That was supposed to be a little bit funny, but okay, listen, we, we have no choice. We either have to be aware of little dogs or we have to be aware of lost people is what he's saying here. Now think about this. Jesus just said, or she said, Lord, I need deliverance. And what does he say? It's not for lost people. Please hear this. Because I know of a lot of Christians that talk about how they walk up and down the streets casting demons out of people. There's a scripture right there that says it's not for lost people. Now, we could sit there and say, but she wasn't a, she wasn't a believer, she wasn't a follower, but her humility and her faith brought her in. He says it's for the children. So please hear, and here's the point, and I'm gonna wrap this up. If the children can't be in bondage, then why did Jesus say deliverance is for children? People say Christians can't be in bondage, then why did Jesus say it? He either knew what he's talking about or he's a liar. Which one do you think it is? And he calls it, by the way, the children's bread. Isn't that interesting? All he's telling her is, listen, you have to believe in the Messiah in order to have deliverance. And I'm the one who brings deliverance. In order to get deliverance, you're gonna have to believe in me. You're gonna have to do this. It's not for lost people. So let me just end with this. If you're in bondage, how do you get free? The same way she did. The same way she did. You humble yourself. You humble yourself. You say, Lord, even the dogs even the dogs get crumbs. Why don't you stand up with me? I really wish that air conditioning was working right about now. So I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you because I'm hoping that you all have heard something here today that will kind of sit in your heart. Maybe if somebody said you can put it in the crock pot and kind of like, Stew on it a little for a while. Because I guarantee there's going to be something here for all of us in here. If nothing else, you might have already had all the answers. You might be that person that's like, yeah, I know it all. Well, you just got reminded. Okay, now we can solidify it. But I want you to remember, any area of your life where you think you might be in bondage or you just seem to be stuck, let me say it that way. There's just something that you're thinking. If you know, listen, I deal with this. I think what's, maybe all it is, 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 is Julie alluded to earlier, not alluded to, she actually talked about, maybe in your mind, you just have this constant attack in your mind about how unworthy you are. You need, you need freedom. You need freedom. So I'm gonna pray for all of you right now. And when I'm done praying, I'm, in fact, I'm gonna ask the, the people who are on the prayer team, if you'll go ahead and just come up, line up front right now. If you just work your way up here. If you need prayer for anything, come up and let us pray with you. We're, again, we're not gonna post this anywhere and when you walk away, nobody's gonna say anything to you. But if you need, if you need prayer for anything, if, if, you, if you're sick physically, you're dealing with any kind of infirmity, if, if you have a financial need, 
Maybe you're a student and you're struggling at school. You don't know how you're going to get past your finals. Hey, let us, the Lord cares about that. Let us pray with you. Maybe you're needing a job. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Maybe, maybe somebody in your family, their marriage or their relationship is in trouble. Maybe you've been asking the Lord for some answers and some things and he hasn't been able to give you the direct answer because you haven't put yourself in the environment to receive the answer. Let us come up and agree with you and pray for you that the Lord is gonna bring an answer to those questions. Like I got the answer to my Lord, what am I missing? I prayed that for four months. And then when I was on a pastor's conference where I thought I'm just gonna kick back and kind of finally get to relax and just receive for a few days, at the very beginning, he calls me out and gives me the answer I've been asking. He didn't tell me exactly what was going on. He just said, you haven't missed it. What he was saying is, hey, son, you're okay. You and I, you and I are good. That's what he's saying. And it, but that's what I needed to hear because I was feeling like, Lord, I just, I don't know. I don't know. What the answer was, I don't know. But at that point, it's like, I could stop asking the questions. And I'm telling you, there's some questions that many of you might be asking as well. And you haven't got to keep asking because he's here to answer. So let us pray with you. But go, just hold your hands up right now. I'm gonna pray for all of you. Father, I pray for everybody in this room and for those who are gonna be watching online later on who are at home because of sickness or just an inability to get out. Father, you know, you know the amount of hairs, the exact number of hairs on their head. Your word says that you have made them fearfully and you knitted together each one of them while they were in their mother's womb. These are details you still know. Anywhere it says you have a plan. You have a plan for every one of them to prosper them. Lord, they have to know you. They gotta know, not know of you, but they got to know you. So Father, I pray for every one of these people in here. May they come to know you at a level beyond anything they've ever experienced. Father, I pray that everyone's here today, Lord, that maybe they got to see or experience something. Hey, maybe church isn't just a bunch of goofy dum-dums after all. Maybe these are people that, that have found something. And I need that same something, I think. So if you're one of those people that you're feeling any tug on your heart, you're just feeling something in that size that says, something's different and, and you don't know what to do with it, I'm gonna encourage you, don't, don't, don't blow that off. Don't ignore that. That's, that's the person of the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart saying, I want you. And, and when I get you, it doesn't mean you look silly. It doesn't mean you have to dress weird. It doesn't mean you have to talk funny. It means you and I get to have a relationship where you and I can start talking to each other and I can start bringing healing to you. So Father, I pray for everybody here. In the name of the Lord, I declare freedom for everybody here in this room right now over any lie that they believed, any bondage that they're in. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.